When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you've been well over the last week and you are enjoying your summer. We're still here, counting down to camp, and for the first time this summer, we actually know when training camp's going to begin. That's right, the first practice of training camp is going to be Saturday, July 27th. That is 32 days away from the time of the recording, and probably 31 days away for most of you that are listening to the show. So, only one month before the Bears begin their Super Bowl run, right, co-host Nicholas Moriano? Absolutely. Super Bowl run sounds pretty good. Yeah, it does. But no, for real, obviously, every time that the Bears release their training camp schedule, personally, I, you know, I get a market on my calendar, and then things start to feel real for the upcoming season. I get to plan my trip, and my excitement level just goes up quite a few notches. How about you? Oh, yeah. Every single time. And it's just getting real. We're getting closer and closer to the season actually starting. So it's a great time. Now, right before we went live, you're talking about your weekend, myself. We had a few storms down here in Bloomington, Indiana. I actually ran into uh, a couple of fans of the show at a local store. Uh, he was letting us know like he loves the show. His kids watch with us. It's really cool that someone in my hometown actually noticed me from the show. But you, Mr. Nick, you went all the way down to New Orleans, had yourself a weekend. I know you said you wanted to share a story. And, of course, I said, please keep it PG and or PG-13. Yeah, just kind of like a, a nutshell of what our weekend was like. I went flew in Thursday morning or Thursday night with my friend, got to experience broad, just Bourbon Street, the French Quarter down there. Got to hear the history of New Orleans, went on a ghost tour, so that was pretty cool. Got to try some of the local cuisine there. And I also have a friend that actually moved to New Orleans last year, so we got to hang out. But it's just it's different there. It really is. It was a great time. Glad to be back home, though. Just kind of take it easy for probably the next like two weeks, to be completely honest, because it was a it was a fun time, um, but just a nice little getaway. But I would definitely recommend it if you've never been, if you want to go experience New Orleans, probably do it maybe now and not like July or August. They say it gets even hotter. And honestly, I was sweating the entire time there. I couldn't even imagine it being hotter down there in New Orleans, but it was a really fun time. Got a nice tan out of it, though. I did. I know. I, I Once I'm in the sun for even like a couple of hours, I will get dark. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're having all the time down there in New Orleans and I'm living an entirely different life, taking the kid to see <laughs> Toy Story 4. I think I was more like going myself and just kind of dragging him along with me. I think he's watched the first one, maybe the third, um, but it was a good movie. So I recommend that if you're looking for something to do that's a little bit more family friendly. Yeah, I definitely want to see Toy Story 4. I've heard it got really good reviews and maybe it's a little gets you a little sad at the end there from what I've heard, but I'm definitely going to see it at some point. And see, I wanted to tell AJ, hey, we're going to go see Toy Story 4 and then go have him watch Child's Play. But they said I couldn't <laughs> do that. I thought that would have been pretty interesting. He likes that kind of stuff anyway. So, But apparently that was a bad idea. Eh, it's not that bad of an idea. <laughs> Thanks. All right, let's just, with the small talk, let's get into today's show. Uh, it's going to be our first defensive a defensive positional preview it's all about the big guys up front it's going to be on the defensive line uh, that's the unit that really paved the way for a lot of the defensive success a year ago with their strong play and just a quick plug in case you missed any of our offensive previews uh, make sure to head back into the feed after this show definitely catch up again training camp's only a month away make sure to catch all of our positional previews but getting back to the defensive line i can't think of a better place to start under discussion other than the one and only akeem hicks 
And what makes Hicks so unique is the fact that he's what I call a really great two-way defender up front. Not only is he one of the best pass rushers at his position, uh, but he's also one of the best defensive linemen against a run. Nick, I want to know, can you explain what it is about Hicks that allows him to really excel both against a run and also at getting after quarterbacks? Yeah, so I think a big thing from Akeem Hicks, and if you haven't had a chance to watch the NFL Game Pass film session, definitely go do that because Akeem Hicks is really... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Student of the game. Uh, he kind of broke down what it's like during a week uh, pre- preparing for an opponent. One, he'll watch tape with the coaches, which obviously will give them an advantage of what kind of uh, – uh, strengths a certain player has, what are their weaknesses, but they don't watch tape on his own. And what uh, Akeem Hicks said is that what makes him so uh, a diverse def- defensive lineman to play the run, play the pass, is that he watches his tape and he knows the tendencies that offensive linemen are going to you know, approach him with on a run play pass play. So he knows the play before it's even being run. And this just puts him in positions to succeed. And I think that's, what's so special about Akeem Hicks is that one, he's always hungry. He plays with this relentless mentality. He has strength and he's just a student of the game. So going into each week, he's constantly preparing and also helping out his own teammates just to be the most prepared defensive player uh, when it comes to Sundays. See, now, that's great. And again, the fact that he's a student of the game, the fact that he takes that much into his preparation and is able to pick up on tendencies is a big testament to his football IQ and his work ethic. When I'm looking at him, at least on the field for my eyes, there are two abilities that he possesses that I believe allow him to succeed on any given Sunday. Uh, number one, his ability to burst off the ball. Hey, we've talked about it. He has a tremendous get-off. He can beat the entire line off of the snap and get into the offensive lineman before they have a chance to really get into their stance. And on top of that, Akeem Hicks has great hands. He knows how to use them in a variety of ways, uh, either to separate from defenders, knock them off balance, swim around them, rip through them. He can use his hands in so many ways. It really is a disadvantage for every offensive lineman going at him. So for me, the combination of his get off and his hands is a big reason why Akeem Hicks is able to succeed to the degree uh, that we've had. And of course, when you can couple uh, those abilities with the mental part of the game that Nick, you just mentioned, that's why Akeem Hicks is such a damn good football player, right? Oh, absolutely. And you actually mentioned it, Will. He said that in that game past film session where it's all about hand placement and strength for him and what he does such a great job at once you put on the film. Akeem Hicks, stack and shed. And for people who don't um, understand what that is, I'm actually going to read an old tweet from Field Yates, old, uh, a former guest on the podcast. And he actually just got married uh, over the weekend, so congrats to Field Yates. But stacking and shedding, and just this is what it is, uh, reading an old tweet from Field Yates, the ability of a defender to take on a block with his shoulders squared to the line of a scrimmage that's a stack then you lock out his arms to be able to see the play in front of him and then dislodge from a uh, blocker to make a play in the ball carrier the shed and Akeem Hicks that he knows that to a T he does that with against pro bowl guards pro bowl tackles doesn't matter who it is and that stacking and shedding so important for defensive linemen to one make tackles for losses just make tackles in general to have uh, the linebackers make a tackle because if they're not able to diagnose a play then it's not gonna it's gonna go from maybe positive yards instead of negative yards so I think that's one of the good things about Akeem Hicks he's so good at that and then you have to incorporate and uh his his swim move he knows how to do that especially against smaller defense alignment again in that NFL game pass when there are smaller defense or offensive linemen trying to block Akeem Hicks because he's six foot five three thirty they're gonna come out low and try to get better leverage on him well, Akeem Hicks knows that, swims over smaller offensive linemen, is able to make plays in the backfield, and that's why Akeem Hicks is so damn good at what he does because, again, he knows, uh, prepares for the opponent, and then just utilizes all these little moves that defensive linemen have to do in order to be successful in the NFL. 
Right. And he doesn't get a, give up any, if not a lot, negative ground. Anytime he's going up against an offensive lineman, he's just kind of like glued into the turf. He doesn't allow them to drive them backwards and, then of course, reach that second level, which, of course, for me, is a big reason why he makes it such a great run defender in the league. I think PFF, and again, I'm not going into PFF grades, but the fact that he was like you know third in the entire NFL against a run, it's still a testament of what kind of run stopper he is in the league. Now, Nick... We talked about this last year. Akeem Hicks needed a blow. He needed some breaks out there because he just played so much. In 2016, uh, he appeared in almost 87% of all defensive snaps. In 2017, it did dip a little bit, but still 85% of snaps played. And the last year's countdown to camp, we said Akeem Hicks needs and depth needed to provide this a break from time to time because he just kind of got worn out as the season kind of progressed. And I was actually going back to throughout my notes last year, and I said I wish that they would find a way to get him out there in the same kind of realm as Aaron Donald, who played 74% of the snaps. Well, I looked at it last year, and the coaches must have been listening because Akeem Hicks only played 74.1% of all defensive snaps last year. But despite being on the field less, he was able to still put up identical numbers from those previous years. Uh, finished the season with 55 tackles, 12 for loss, 7.5 stats, uh, sacks, and like I said, it's very identical to his 2017 stats. Now, that's exactly what we thought would happen. Give Hicks more rest, and he's still going to be able to provide uh, the same amount of impact. So, Nick, I'm curious. Do you expect the Bears to keep him around that 74 75% mark? And, again, keep in mind he is turning 30 this season, uh, so keeping him fresh for a full season and a deep playoff run is going to be vital, right? Absolutely. He's going into his eighth season now. Obviously, a veteran knows the game, but I think if he is around that same marker, maybe maybe you can actually have him out a little less, even because now you have guys like Bilal Nichols who have shown great upside in their rookie season and going into year two, being someone who is training with Akeem Hicks. If you haven't read Dan Pompey's article from The Athletic, that's one they should definitely read. It was all about Akeem Hicks and just his journey throughout the NFL and really taking uh, Bilal Nichols under his wing and trying to teach him the game so he can then become a better defensive lineman. He'll make Akeem Hicks' job a little bit easier if he has someone else that can you know come in and rep the same reps and be uh, good reps as Akeem Hicks if, if he was in there. But I think if Akeem Hicks is around that 74.1% that you mentioned, Will, and you know alluded to even before the season, that would be ideal for Akeem Hicks to stay fresh because, look, you can put up these numbers like he did in 2017 but then be gassed at the second half of the season, that's not going to help you because that's where some of the most important football is coming in. It's not about how you start, but how you finish. So I think if he's around that 74%, maybe even a little bit less because of guys like Bilal Nichols taking just taking their notch up in their game, that's going to be good overall for the Bears defense. But obviously, when Akeem Hicks is out there, you have a pretty good chance of disrupting any kind of offensive play. But I do agree with you that that's where he should be for this 2019 season. Right, and depth is going to play a very vital role into allowing that, which, of course, you know, health willing and health, you know, all of that considered. And again, knock on wood, the Bears were very healthy last year, and all signs are hopefully pointing to a similar thing, but it's something you really can't even gauge. It happens or it doesn't. Um, but, yeah, if the uh, the depth is still there, I expect the same exact things like you said. If he's around that, you know, playing on three-quarters of the snaps, uh, then the Bears' defense is going to be in pretty good shape. And Akeem Hicks should be able to continue his strong play late into the season, which we saw last year because in 2017 he had a strong first eight games, kind of tailored off. Last year he was playing some of his best football December January, and that's what we need to continue to see at Akeem Hicks because he is uh, very much, uh, you know, the life force up front for that Bears defensive line. Now, of course, Akeem Hicks, something else that we wanted last year, we said Akeem Hicks needs to make his first Pro Bowl. That happened. Long overdue, but glad that was finally something he can put underneath his belt. Uh, he's someone who keeps getting better and better throughout his career, but I did mention, and you said eighth year, he's turning 30 this year. Uh, do you envision Akeem Hicks uh, showing any signs of wear and tear slowing down this year or potentially uh, with all the potential uh, that the Bears actually have on this team? Do you see him raising his game or maybe do you see just uh, more of the same, which again, that is not a bad thing whatsoever. If Akeem Hicks can just kind of, you know, keep on his current pace, his current trajectory. You know, I don't see Akeem Hicks regressing, to be completely honest, especially seeing him break down the tape in that NFL Game Pass film session, just the passion he has for it. He, look, he was not giving anything in his life, especially in terms of getting into the NFL, um, just starting off at playing in a small-town school, being uh, 
traded from the Saints and then going to the uh, Patriots, come to Chicago. Nothing was given to Akeem Hicks. And I think that he just has this passion for the game, this willingness to study, to prepare, to lift in the offseason, to take on these double teams, to free up his linebackers, to maybe even get to the quarterback at times. I don't think we're going to see Akeem Hicks regress. We, I would definitely expect him to do what he did, you know, in 2018. Maybe he's more effective at it. You have a Khalil Mack now with the entire offseason train. Now more teams got to put even more double teams towards that, uh, you know, beast over there. But Bilal Nichols, all these other guys, I think you can only expect the same from Akeem Hicks. That's, I think that's what he's expecting out of himself to just put up those kind of numbers, maybe even be even better. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised because he is that good of a player. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I think regular season, you're going to see the same Akeem Hicks that we've seen over the last few years. And again, it's not that I don't think he can get better. I think he will, but I also believe the offense is, even though I know you have Khalil Mack and they have to pay you know all the attention to him, they, they know to pay attention to number 96 up front as well. But I believe once we reach the playoffs, and again, I'm getting real confident here. I'm just talking about it, and it's here, and it's, almost July, but once we reach the playoffs and Hicks knowing the potential on this team and that the Super Bowl is a real possibility this year, and if the Bears are at that point, I expect him to take his game to a new level because he's going to put you know, everything that he has to make that a reality. You can tell he's hungry. He wants it to happen, and he's going to do everything he can to make sure that the defense does his part and, of course, uh, the entire unit as well. Anything else on Akeem Hicks, Nick, before we kind of move on here? I mean, we could talk about Akeem Hicks for forever now, but I think we got the gist of what Akeem Hicks is. He's the ideal defensive lineman. Any any defense, someone's going to give it 100% every time, is going to take advantage of one-on-one matchups, be a problem for double teams, uh, You know, raise the play of the people around him. Akeem Hicks is the real deal, and the Bears are fortunate to have him on this squad. Absolutely. Couldn't say it any better myself. Now, up next, we're going to talk about the anchor of the line who proved to be worth the contract extension that he received in September. But first, we do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So, what makes SeatGeek better than the rest? That's a great question. To put it as simply as possible, SeatGeek is a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. Really cool. You can click on any seat you want and see the view from that seat. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. All of us here at the Chicago Audible, we have the SeatGeek app on our phone. It's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. I've been looking at those Bears-Packers tickets. Those amazing deals are kind of going down. I'm kind of looking elsewhere throughout the season as well. And again, we're going to the Bears-Chiefs game here in December. It's going to be a big playoff atmosphere type of game at Soldier Field around Christmas time. If you're looking for a game, I encourage you to check out that one. Definitely come meet us, hang out with us at the game as well. And when I was looking at those seats earlier, there's still plenty of amazing deals left. Lots of tickets with a grade of nine or higher. So if you want to join us and root on the Bears against the Chiefs around Christmas time, definitely check out SeatGeek as they have a plenty of amazing deals left for you. And don't forget my hack. Create your budget and then set the maximum amount you want to pay and then sort it by deal. That way you know you're getting the best seats possible for the money. And the best part of all, and here's the kicker, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. And again, that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. We are counting down to training camp. We are now breaking down the Bears defense, starting this week with the Bears defensive line. And of course, I'm joined here by my trusty co-host, Nicholas Moriano, to give us a scoop along the way. And let's go ahead and just slide inside and discuss nose tackle Eddie Goldman. Last year, he did something for the first time in his entire career. He played an entire 16-game season. Perfect timing, considering the fact that he got that four-year, $42 million extension in September. Not only did Goldman stay healthy, but he was a force to be reckoned with up front. He had himself 40 total tackles, five for a loss, and three sacks. But the numbers don't tell the entire story. 
Nick, what did Eddie Goldman prove to you last season? You know, one, you mentioned it, and it's something to mention with Eddie Goldman, especially how he started his career off in Chicago, was he was healthy. And when he was in, he was effective. And people got to remember this. It's not all about stats, especially with a nose tackle in the position that Eddie Goldman plays. As a two-gap player, his responsibility is to make sure that he can free up his linebackers to make this tackle uh, wherever it may be. And I think what Eddie Goldman does such a great job of, he's really effective at doing that. Whether he's being double teamed or he has a one-on-one with the center, he is a guy that is one, not going to give a lot of ground. He's that strong of a player and he has some good hands for a bigger defensive lineman. He knows how to utilize his hands, get in himself in position to where, okay, the gap may be open, but that's where my linebacker is now going to go fill, whether it's Roquan or Danny Trevathan. And that's where I think that maybe he's just overlooked on this great defense, but that is his primary job to free up other guys to not move back, to not give any ground. And Eddie Goldman, he got that contract extension for a reason. He's one of the best defensive linemen, nose tackles to do it right now. So that's what I think he does such a great job of. And uh, I broke down a play earlier today. It's where he's getting double team in no position to make a play on uh, the running back with Saquon Barkley, but is able to put himself in position, utilize his hands and make a three yard. It's only a three yard gain as opposed to maybe a 20 yard gain. That's what you'll see from Eddie Goldman. And if he could stay consistently healthy, I mean, that's just going to be a, a team, the Bears defensive line, Akeem Hicks, Goldman, Nichols, uh, Roy Robinson, Harris, where it's just tough to run against. But I think that's what Goldman brings to the table. And that's why he's so valuable on this Bears defense. Uh, I did notice the name you kept out. We'll, we'll get to him in a little bit when you're talking about the unit up front, but getting back to, uh, Eddie Goldman, you said it right. Uh, his hands are uh, something that is a very big asset for him. Uh, but on top of that, uh, what I love from Eddie Goldman, uh, two things. Number one, arm separation. Uh, if Once he is able to fully extend his arms, that offensive lineman is not going to be able to close the gap and get a hand on him. It's a great way uh, for Eddie Goldman to make sure that the offensive lineman, like I just mentioned, doesn't get a couple hands on him and is able to manipulate where Eddie goes he's able to manipulate where the offensive lineman goes. And a big uh, evidence of this is going to be the safety that he was able to get against the Rams. Uh, he was able to knock the center off balance uh, with an initial punch, and he kept his left arm fully extended after the uh, the center got off balance and was able to fully recover, uh, couldn't get a hand on him, and then he was able to use his speed uh, to get right to golf for that safety. I think it was like an eight-yard loss, which ended up wasn't like they're inside the goal line to start. It was a you know seven-foot, uh, seven-step drop. And he's still able to get to golf before he's able to even set his feet and take him down for the sack. Um, and on top of that, the other thing I like from Eddie Goldman is hustle. Because, Nick, you mentioned it. He has a job, and that's to you know fill gaps, help out Roquan Smith, help out Danny Trevathan. But once his job is done, or if a play is going to either perimeter on either sideline, Eddie Goldman makes a break for it. There's plenty of times where you'll see him near the action when the ball is outside the numbers. How many nose tackles do you see in the NFL getting into the action along the sidelines? Not many. Or catching up to a ball carrier who's already seven, eight yards down the field. Again, not many. But Eddie Goldman does that. And it's just a small thing that uh, just shows his hustle, uh, that he doesn't take you know, a play off or he knows that even though he may get gas for running 40 yards across the field to go get this guy, he's still going to try and go ahead and get that guy, even though his primary responsibility is that middle of the field right there in the offensive line. And he, again, he does all the little things well too, Nick, doesn't he? He really does. And I mean, just talking about specifically like taking on double teams and defensive linemen are taught. There's a couple different ways they can take them down or to be taught to confront a, a double team. Uh, and Akeem Hicks did a good breakdown in that uh, game film video where they bring down a knee. And essentially what that's doing for any defensive lineman that's taken on two blocks, it's really allowing the two defenders to only engage with one defensive lineman what that does it closes gaps it creates opportunities for other defenders to make the play and I think that's what Eddie Goldman you can really see from him when he takes on these double teams uh, he's really occupying obviously two guys at once allowing his other playmakers on that defense and there's plenty of them to really make the play and that's why again the stats don't reflect the impact that Eddie Goldman makes on a play-to-play basis because a lot of these guys, there's two line, uh, Trevathan and Roquan Smith, each had over 100 tackles on the season. Eddie Goldman's a big part of the reason why. Mm, I like it. You're right on the money with that one. So getting towards 2019, entering that second year now of that new deal, I'm curious of what you would deem as a successful season for Eddie Goldman. 
You know, a lot of what he did last season, I think, would be definitely successful. Playing all 16 games mm-hmm. for any any player, it's going to be, you know, staying healthy. But, look, you see he had 40 combined tackles, five tackles for loss, three sacks, one foam recovery, three QB hits. I mean, for what he's being asked to do and for the other defenders that are around him, I think those are good stats that you want to replicate out there. Um, obviously, he hasn't gotten to the, what, four and a half sacks that he had in his rookie season. But you know what? There wasn't as many defensive playmakers on, on the field in that Bears defense, right? Which is crazy because what? they still Mitch had Mitch John Jenkins. Right. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, very true. So I don't think he necessarily has to reach that number uh, to say, oh, well, he got four and a half sacks his rookie season. Well, he's not doing his job. Well, that's not true. Not for the nose tackle position, what they're kind of asked to do. I think if he can replicate these numbers, you're it, that's exactly what you want to see from Eddie Goldman, especially being healthy. You know, I agree with you, but I am going to set a goal for him. Uh, and you mentioned, actually alluded to it, his career high is four and a half sacks. That was a rookie. And you mentioned, you already mentioned, that offense, uh, defensive line had no talent on it whatsoever, r- barely any. I'd still like to see him break that career high, set five sacks this year. You know, if he plays a full 16 games, uh, that's just one, like almost every three. Uh, so for me, it's going to be one of my goals for Eddie Goldman. Can he get five sacks this year? If he does, I mean, that's going to be tremendous for this defense, number one. And number two is this going to show that he's constantly improving and he's also he can be a player who can make a big impact like that. Again, he makes a large impact all over the field, um, especially with the linebackers, but in a different way, getting after quarterbacks. And I know he has it in him. We saw it his rookie year. I want to see him do it again. So five sacks is going to be my goal. And again, if he has four and a half or four or three, am I going to say that he had a terrible year? No. But if he can get five sacks, it's going to be a really good number for him to kind of strive for. And I'm sure he has some personal goals like that as well. All right. Last season, Roy Robertson Harris played the most snaps that he has in his career. He went from playing 19% of the defensive snaps in 2017, and that jumped to over 33% last year. So, Nick, I want to know, what do you think that the coaches saw out of Robertson Harris to really put him on the field more a year ago compared to 2017 when he was still making that initial transition from an outside linebacker to a defensive end? I think they just saw potential. There's potential in Roy Robinson Harris, especially being six foot seven, two hundred and ninety-four pounds. You could put this guy in the interior, you could put him on, you know, in the five technique, you could put him in in the three technique. He has some versatility along this defensive line to where Roy Robinson Harris isn't limited and he can really use his length and his speed and his ability to bend to his advantage. So that's why I thought he saw the field that jump that you mentioned. From uh, you know, last year to 2017, and you know, just kind of putting on the tape for Roy Robinson Harris when he, you have him one on one. If he's one on one with the center, I mean, he's able to knock him back. One, you mentioned it earlier, Will. With if you can lock your arms as a defensive lineman on an offensive lineman, you have him right where you want to. And then Roy Robinson Harris being able to bend and get to a quarterback, I think he did that pretty well. And the length really does help, able to get O lineman off of him, secure you know his gap responsibilities, and then just make a play. I think what the coaching staff, the defensive coaching staff, saw was just Roy Robinson Harris was able to get more acquainted to one, his body because he was a little bit, he went through like some weight changes right that one year mm-hmm. and had to get accustomed to what he was able to do. And I think you saw glimpses of that um, just last year in 2018. Now I know you mentioned you played 33% of those snaps. I wonder if that's probably going to be something similar to what you'll see in 2019, just because of other guys on this defensive line that I expect to make some jumps and maybe some other guys taking some few steps back and you're smiling over there. Well, because you know exactly who I'm uh, talking about here, but don't worry. (laughs) I know. Uh, But Roy Robinson Harris, I think that's what he did well last season. And just being able to, the one thing that I do want to see from him though, Working on that counter move when he gets maybe caught up with a bull rush or if he's trying to do a swim move, you got to be able to counter that if an offensive lineman, and they will, are able to stop that initially. That's why Akeem Hicks is so good at what he does, you know, these edge rushers. And I think if uh, Roy Robinson Harris can learn to develop a counter move to his game, that's going to make him dangerous, especially playing, you know, right on the outside of a tackle, outside of a tight end. That's where I think you can utilize Roy Robinson Harris to the best of his abilities. Yeah, absolutely, because you talked about the counter move, uh, because this time last year, uh, we're looking back at his 2017, and he had really good lateral quickness and was able to get into the backfield, but he actually was, he was starting at the end of 2017 to really develop that bull rush, and I know you're looking at the film, and I was looking at it as well uh, over the weekend, he really kind of came to his own using that bull rush a little bit more consistently in 2018, and that's something that I expect him to uh, be able to continue uh, this season, but yeah, like you said, uh, once something gets stalled, he does have a 
a tendency not to find another way off a lineman, which is the reason why uh, I think this is a growth opportunity for him. And I believe now uh, being now technically in his third year at this position switch, he should be able to be uh, refined and coached up and practice enough where instinctually he should be able to kind of pull together, you know, multiple moves uh, at going after quarterbacks, getting to the backfield, stopping the run, all of those things. But one thing that stood out to me last season when it comes to Roy Robertson-Harris uh, was how he was able to put some hits on the quarterback. He didn't have the most sacks on the team. Uh, I think he had three or four. Everywhere I look has some different stats. Either way, obviously that wasn't like you know a world-beating number. But he was able to generate 11 quarterback hits, which was the second of all defensive linemen on this team. Uh, which, again, in some circumstances, getting hits on quarterbacks can be just as effective as a sack. Uh, they can rattle quarterbacks. They can cause errant throws that become turnovers. Um, it always seemed like he was just a step or two too late at taking down the quarterback for a sack. Uh, so, Nick, I'm curious. Uh, are there some ways that you see him potentially turning those quarterback hits into sacks this year? Anything you can do specifically to do that? Would it be those counter moves? Would it be just being a half step quicker? I'm just curious to your take here. You know, I think if anything, it's probably going to be the counter moves because I think Roy Robinson Harris has a pretty good get off. You don't see him uh, usually uh, lackadaisical once the, the ball is snapped. He's usually pretty active. Uh, but I think if he can really develop that, that counter move, that just any way he can get to the quarterback, uh, regardless. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. This was a swim, then you turn into you know, a spin move after that. Whatever it may be, that's going to be his best advantage to now turn those QB hits into sacks because if he gets those one-on-one matchups, just with that length and being able to keep a offensive lineman at bay and then maybe uh, tug on his jersey inwards and then do a swim move around him, that is something that I can definitely see uh, Roy Robinson-Harris being good at and then making those QB hits into sacks. But he's just got to keep developing with the guys around him. You have some really good players along the defensive line, even taking some moves from the outside linebackers because he's kind of built like a, you know, a, almost like a Khalil Mack with the size and weight or even a Leonard Floyd being a little bit taller. Go talk to those guys along, uh, you know, your defensive playmakers. See how they get to the quarterback because they can. He, I'm sure Roy Robinson Harris can learn a thing or two from those outside edge rushers. Yeah, absolutely. And he, it wasn't like he was a bad at getting up to the quarterback last year. I actually was looking at uh, PFF's pass rush productivity formula, and this is not a grade. This is a stat. They take all of uh, his total quarterback hits, his sacks, the pressures he's able to generate, and I think they divide it by the amount of pass rushes he had on the season. And using that formula, he was the 17th most effective pass rusher in the league from the defensive line. Uh, Akeem Hicks was 21st. Bilal Nichols was 27th, just to put that in comparison. And again, he did have a smaller role uh, than those guys. But if he's able to grow that role, maybe play more snaps this year and keep up that rate, if not maybe slightly improve upon it, that's going to be very interesting for the Bears' defensive line. Roy Robson Harris becomes a you know a vital force at getting after the passer because then again we're talking about this. We've been talking about this defensive front uh, for a year now. Just how scary because you can't focus on just one or two guys. It's across the board. And if you're looking at you know RRH and you're trying to if he takes that step, that makes everybody around him's job so much easier. But what kind of role do you envision? Roy Robinson Harris having this year is it going to be the same about that one third of the snaps played? Do you believe that he may be able to you know take a little bit more of the pie this year and getting on the field maybe a little bit more? You know, I think the one third it might probably suit Roy Robinson Harris the best. I think if you can have some obvious passing down situations too, you put him out there uh, too as just another guy that can get after the quarterback because when you're in the five and seven technique, you. Uh, outside of the tackle and then outside of the, uh, the tight end, you're really asked to just pin your ears back and get to the quarterback. I think if you could get that for Roy Robinson Harris, just give him more opportunities to try to, you know, maybe utilize some different moves. That's going to be best. But I think that that one third that he had last year, maybe just a little bit more is probably going to be best for Roy Robinson Harris and just best for the defensive line rotation in general. All right. Now, at this time last year, Roy Robinson-Harris was in competition with John Bullard. Uh, Bullard lost, and as a result, uh, his playing time was nearly cut in half uh, from 2017. Uh, in 2018, Bullard didn't generate a single sack. 
Uh, he didn't give himself a quarterback hit. Uh, he was pretty good against a run in short yard situations. I'm going to give him that. But still, the fact that he had the lowest snap share of any of the top five defensive linemen on that team just kind of shows you where you know the former third-round pick is in this stage of his career. So obviously, the arrow is, unfortunately, pointing downward for Bullard, and it has been for some time. Every year, we try to get more optimistic. I believe he can put it all together, but he hasn't really been able to do that to this point. So Nick, I'm curious, where's your confidence in Bullard's ability to make an impact this year? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, Will, because this is a guy that I know I had mock drafted to the Bears. I, I like the upside. It was the the get off. Remember the get off mm-hmm. off the line of scrimmage to be able to make these tackles for losses. Well, that has not really translated to the NFL um, as well as we would have liked to see. And I think with Jonathan Bullard and stuff that just pops up on film again, another thing a little bit with Roy Robinson Harris has to do, but Bullard's now had more time to deal with it. Where's that second move? Okay. If your get off is not going to be your thing. And if it's not going to translate as well as it did from Florida to the NFL, you have to be able to develop something else. And I don't really just watching the film. I don't know what that something else is for Bullard. I did. I did note that I do have some couple good plays from him last season. If you remember the interception by Roquan Smith against uh, the Rams, it was really because Jonathan Buller was able to create pressure and get Goff off his mark. He lined up on the left tackle, takes a wide angle uh, towards the C gap, and he's able to get his left arm under the left tackle's right shoulder pad and just drive him back. Uh, just stuff that we saw from him from in college, and that's why we thought there was some upside with him. Mm-hmm. And this forces an underthrow by Goff. It's a great play, but it was really Jonathan Buller that created it. But other than that, it was just – what else? What else, Jonathan Buller? Where's your second move? Where are you going to be lined up again? Uh, I don't know if the versatility is really there. I saw him line up uh, mostly on the tackles, uh, specifically the left tackle. Wasn't really seeing him go interior. What is he? Let's six foot three, two ninety six. That's that's the thing with Jonathan Bullard. Um, there wasn't a lot of splash plays. Uh, at times, he you that get off kind of reflects in his play, but it's just too inconsistent now. Being a couple years into the NFL, his NFL career, to where you can say you could build off of this, and he can be someone that you can you know have in defensive line rotation. Yes, he's there, but he's taking steps back now. Yeah, I mean, I think you the two words that really stuck out to me that make perfect sense: inconsistency. And then he is showing flashes, but those flashes are too far and in between to really give us any room for hope. Like my confidence uh, compared to this time last year is less. I think I could have said the same thing even last year compared to 2016. Mm-hmm. It's just every year my confidence in John Bullard is less and less and less. And right now there are other people on this defense that I would much rather see out there on the field uh, you know, any week uh, over Bullard. And I think that's why you saw his time get cut almost in half. I think he only played in about 24% of all the snaps last year uh, compared to just about 48, 50% the year before. So obviously the Bears are looking elsewhere, finding other ways to get more people on the field, and it's not John Bullard at that. So Bullard is entering the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, so I'm curious, Nick, uh, if he does struggle throughout camp in this preseason, uh, would you be surprised if he's cut? Uh, honestly, I, I wouldn't. And that's, you know, a former third round pick, but if there's some of these other guys, these undrafted free agents, or, you know, some guys that weren't in the rotation last year, that are looking to possibly get a spot in the, you know, maybe starting five rotation, it's definitely going to be Bullard spot. So it wouldn't surprise me if that were to happen, but hopefully, you know, Bullard can show us something. Yeah. I mean, he's only going to count against uh 200 K against the cap if they cut him. Um, but He's not a huge cap hit on the team if he's on it as well. I think it's like 0.5% of the cap regardless. So it's not like it would save him a ton of money. Uh, so they could just keep him as that. They understand he's like that fifth guy who can fill in that role in whatever degree they want. But obviously, like you said, if someone else comes into camp and you know outperforms and splashes and they it, you can see the hope and there's buzz and there's some positivity around him, Maybe they just go with that guy. Uh, We'll talk about that here maybe in a little bit, but let's move on from Bullard, who is trending downward, to someone whose arrow is pointing up. And I want to switch our focus to the second-year player, Bilal Nichols. It was about a year ago when he compared himself to Fletcher Cox. And even though he hadn't even played a single snap in the NFL and he was a fifth-round pick, there was already a small buzz around Nichols before training camp even began. But once the pads came on, he put himself together a very strong rookie season that included with four sacks, five tackles for a loss, and he earned himself a spot on the ESPN All-Rookie Team. 
Now, Nick, I know you did a very nice breakdown video of Nichols. I want to go ahead and give you some space and hand it over to you. What did you like about Nichols' game last season? Yeah, there were so many things to like from Bilal Nichols and what he played about 31% of the snap. So, again, a third of that time. But, look, for the play that I, I broke down on Twitter where he's – basically diagnosing what the offense is running is able to disengage from the center move to his left and make a tackle for loss on a running back that's a very veteran-esque move but that was from a rookie that's just showing the film study and being able to you know he again Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols those two are a good match for each other because you can clearly see that uh, Bilal Nichols is taking everything that Akeem Hicks is kind of teaching him and making it come to fruition on the field. Um, again, he keeps those hands alive. He's able to lock in on uh, opposing offensive linemen, keep them at bay, then shed, stack and shed like I just mentioned earlier. Lines up in a zero technique, three technique uh, on both the left guard, right guard. So he's versatile along that side, plays with great power, great leverage. There's a lot to like from Bilal Nichols, and we've got a small sample size in his rookie season, but when he made out there, he also made some splash plays. I think it was against another play against Tampa Bay where he's just shooting himself in the backfield, making a tackle for loss. It's like this – I mean, it's not that it's not expected from, what, a fifth-round draft pick out of Delaware, but it's great to see, and, and that's where I think, you know, when – uh, Jonathan Buller's taking a step back and you see why Bilal Nichols is taking a step forward because of what he was able to do just in his rookie campaign. No, absolutely. And as that year wore on, Nichols got better and more consistent and his role kept expanding. And I envision by the time we get to week one this year, his role is going to be, you know, light years ahead of where it was week one a year ago. Heck, even maybe week 17 of last year. So do you envision a scenario where Nichols can be like the starting uh, defensive end opposite of Akeem Hicks? Or do you see him kind of playing that first guy into the rotation uh, across the board? Because he can play on the left side, he can play on the right side, he can fill in for Eddie Goldman. Uh, what kind of role do you envision for Nichols this year? Yeah, so I think, I mean, if he is going to be that that third defense or the defensive end opposite of Akeem Hicks, uh, he's really going to have to beat out Roy Robinson-Harris for that position right now, and I think he can definitely capable of it. He showed so many flashes in 2018 and that versatility to where I think now Chuck Pagano or just guys, uh, Jay Rogers, defensive line coach, are going to find ways to get him on the field. Uh, they, they're going to want him to be out there because of what he's able to do with his hands, uh, how he's able to just kind of read offensive linemen and see, oh, is this guy pulling? So now I know I can do a swim move on this guy. Let me bull rush this guy. I think Bilal Nichols has that potential there. Um, he made too many splash plays to where I think he's going to regress or get less playing time. That wouldn't make any sense. So I believe that uh, when it comes down to it, if really Roy Robinson Harris doesn't develop maybe like that counter move we were talking about earlier and Bilal Nichols has just continuously made steps uh forward he can definitely be the other end opposite of Akeem Hicks see I agree with you I think that that would be a situation that could end up playing out I actually have here in my notes that if Bilal Nichols can find a way to earn himself about 40 percent of the snaps that would be you know a good spot for him heck maybe even a little bit more depending on how effective he is out there I think the best thing for the Bears' defense would be, though, Roy Robertson-Harris developing to the point where he can be deemed the starter. I think the Bears' defensive line, especially that position, outside, you have Akeem Hicks, you have Eddie Goldman. Done. They're solidified. But outside of them, I think starters are a little arbitrary because you can put people in you know, here and there depending on the situation. But I think if Roy Robertson-Harris can deem himself as the starter and uh, be able to hold down that spot, and then you allow Nichols to be fresh to jump in at any of the positions because Nichols... Uh, out of all defensive linemen was by far the most uh, well-versed because he had, at least in terms of pass rushes, 67 coming from the left, 96 when lining up on the right. Everyone else was drastically one way or another, but Nichols is proven to be effective on both sides. And again, he can fill in at nose as well. He is getting a little bit more leaner with his body, so that may change how that kind of plays out. But if you can have a you know a fresh below Nichols step in midway through a drive, and put, you know, pick up either for Akeem Hicks, who's gassed, or Roy Robson Harris, who's gassed, and an offensive lineman, too, who's a little bit you know winded as well from establishing a drive, that might be the best-case scenario for Nichols to go out there and make his impact more than maybe a Roy Robson Harris in that role because he would be limited to only lining up uh, you know, against a left tackle. So for me, I would love to see Bilal Nichols you know, be uh, developed to a point where we believe he could start, but if he can still be that versatile guy and a fresh one at that, that may be, at least to me, the best case for the Bears' defense. 
Anything else on Nichols? Do you have anything that would be a successful year for him numbers wise or just in general for me? It's, you know, he's getting leaner. He's growing to his body. He's had that for a full year of the NFL under his belt. So if you can just build off of last year and just show those signs of continual growth, you know, and do it for a complete year, I'm pretty happy. I don't need, you know, any set numbers one way or another. You know, I will say this. I think Bilal Nichols can add some passes defended in his game. He didn't have any last season. As a defensive lineman, you are not going to get to the quarterback every single time. That's just not ideal. It's not realistic. So I think if you can get your hand up there, even find a way to impact the play without getting to the quarterback, that's a great way for Bilal Nichols just to add to his game. Akeem Hicks is a uh, I think he had five last season, was really good at that. I think if Bilal Nichols can find a way to incorporate uh, just timing up the passes when the pass rush doesn't work and it's not going to work every time, that's just some, uh, just another little thing that could be you know, very beneficial for this Bears defense um, even when you're not getting home to the quarterback. Very well said, Nick. Now, for the sake of time, I'm just going to lump the remaining linemen into what I'm going to call the bubble. Uh, there are five more on the roster heading into training camp, and they're going to be Nick Williams, who did make the team last year as the backup nose tackle. He only played 4% of the snaps and was mostly inactive throughout the year. You have Abdullah Anderson. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent last offseason out of Bucknell. Uh, he was the Patriot League player of the year in his final year there. He ended up making the Bears practice squad. And then you have three undrafted free agents. You have Jonathan Harris, a hometown kid. He's from Aurora. You have Jalen Dalton. Uh, he's from the University of North Carolina. Yes, he is a former collegiate teammate of Mitchell Trubisky. And then you got Daryl uh, Banfield. Uh, he's an undrafted free agent out of Brown University. Uh, so, Nick, you know how this goes at this point of the show. Out of this group, who do you think has the best chance of making the roster? And or do you have a player or two that you believe have the best chances at making that practice squad? Yeah, so I think uh, obviously with Nick Williams being already uh, on the team and he's been what started his career off with the Chiefs in 2014, played there for three years, played in uh, the Dolphins for a year, then didn't play in 2017. Hey, I'm Callie. And I'm Will. The world's been a little bit wild lately. Yeah, you're not kidding. You know what the world needs? I mean, <laughs> we all need a little bit of chill, the podcast. Honestly, the world needs a whole lot of chill. Chill is a vibe, a place to get a mindset reset. Calm down over thinking and learn new tools for how to change our lives from being reactive and stressed out to proactive, grounded, and centered. So join us for A Little Bit of Chill, the podcast. Join Callie and Will for A Little Bit of Chill, the podcast. Drops every Thursday. That might be, I guess, your most realistic person at like making the team. But uh, I would take a chance on maybe a flyer like Jonathan Harris. Um, a guy, he's got some pretty good size at, I'm um, looking here, six foot five. Um, had a career high 11 and a half tackles for loss in 2018. There's someone who's, you know, dominating at what Lindenwood university, some uh, obviously a smaller school, but if you want to see the production there from some of these, you know, uh, undrafted free agents, that that's exactly what you might need for maybe a Jonathan Bullard who has not stepped his game up. So if anything, that might be, uh, the two guys that I would deem maybe the most, uh, they have the most, uh, the best chance, I guess, sure. at making it. But that's about it from the what five guys that we have on here. Yeah, yeah. And again, you can we can go to camp for a couple different weekends, and our mind can completely change based off what we're seeing out there on the field. But you said it right, Nick Williams. The fact he was on the team last year and he was like backup nose tackle. Uh, that the guy that you don't really need to see out there, as long as you know Eddie Goldman's doing his job, he's out there, he's healthy. Um, he's just that reserve guy. That's fine. Um, but the, other than that, I think I'm looking at Abdullah Anderson. Uh, I think he's going to be my answer here because I th obviously he proved enough to the Bears coaching staff last year to warrant himself a spot on the practice squad. He's had a year to develop. So, again, if he can maybe outshine Bullard to a noticeable degree in uh, camp in the preseason, uh, he could make the case to be promoted to the active roster. And if not – I think he's probably the prime practice squad candidate yet again, unless they do see some more out of uh, one of this year's undrafted free agent class. But I think they would probably uh, opt to continue developing the guys that they've been doing now for at least a year in Anderson. So that's the guy that I'll be watching for in camp. But again, any of the other guys can definitely um, make a splash play here and there and garner my attention too and start changing my mind as soon as we get down to camp here in 32 days. I had to plug that in one more time. All right, Nick, let's go ahead and pull it all together. Uh, let's take a look at the big picture and, of course, play some over-under. And I get a play today because Brandon is not here, so I definitely am a, I'm a player in over-under this week. So the first over-under of the evening, 
Seven and a half sacks from Bilal Nichols. He had four last year. Are you going to go over or under seven and a half? Wow. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Uh, seven and a half. I'm going to go under. I think he gets I think he gets around six. But, hey, if he can get seven and a half, fantastic. If he gets six, six, fantastic. But I think seven and a half is a bit high. Isn't that what Akeem Hicks had last season, seven and a half? It was. He had eight the year before as well, or seven the year before, mm. eight the year prior to that. Okay, I'm going to give uh, Bilal Nichols six. So You're going to give him six. You're going to go under. I'm going over. I'm excited about Bilal Nichols. I'm going to give him eight on the year. I think you're going to see improvement in his game. Uh, obviously, he's a student in the game. One thing I really love about him that I forgot to mention when we we're actually talking about him is his mindset. He was talking about it the bye week last year in an interview uh, that he loves to learn from the guys around him. And you talked how Akeem Hicks kind of you know takes him under his wing. Nichols is so receptive to that, it's ridiculous. And so he's going to have a whole offseason to learn from Akeem Hicks. He's going to put on an Akeem Hicks type of year from getting after the quarterback. So for me, uh, he's going to have himself eight sacks. And again, the offensive lineman's focus is going to be elsewhere. It's going to be on Hicks. It's going to be on Leonard Floyd. It's going to be on Khalil Mack. So again, I think Nichols can still kind of fly under the radar. And for that reason, I'm going to say he can get eight sacks next year. All right, next up, over or under 135 total tackles between Bilal Nichols, Eddie Goldman, and Nakeem Hicks. Uh, for comparison purposes, they had 123 combined last year, so 135 will be 12 more. Oh, they'll get over that then. Uh, I think this is a group that, even though, look, maybe the primary job is not to make the tackle, they're a pretty good unit at doing that uh, in itself. And when you have, when we're expecting jumps from a guy like Bologna, who's just going to learn the game even more, being able to anticipate where this run play is going to go. So now maybe it's not the linebacker that's making the play. Bologna is just going to make it. Or Eddie Goldman, I think they can get over, um, what was the number again? hundred. And... <laughs> you didn't even know the number. If I get over, don't worry about it's, it. It's over. It'll be over though. All right, it was over 135. Uh, are you going to go on a record and give me at least a number here? Uh, 135, we'll go 140. Nice. That's what I have in my notes, too. Over, 140. <laughs> uh, Keem Hicks has been really consistent with his tackle numbers over the last few years, around that middle 50s range. Same thing with Eddie Goldman with the upper 40s range. And again, like you said, Blow Nichols, he's going to take steps forward this year. So for me, again, he's going to notch himself uh, you know, a handful plus more tackles than last year. So that's going to definitely improve those numbers. But I had 140 as well, so I appreciate you peeking at my notes. But over and under, five forced tackles. Forced tackles, geez, I'm getting tired here. Five forced fumbles from the defensive line. That's the same exact number that they had last year. Well, if there's more tackles, there's more opportunities for forced fumbles. So we're going to go over. Because there's going to be more opportunities. And I don't know what uh, Jay Rogers is teaching these guys, but these defensive linemen, when they know they have the tackle secured, you see a lot of just swiping down at the ball, whether it's Eddie Goldman or Keem Hicks. They, they understand that, hey, it doesn't just have to be the tackle that has to be made. Make an impact play. Force a fumble. Get those those dude's hands got to waste so much coming down on a ball carrier. The ball is coming out if it gets you know that direct hit. We'll go over. All right. I need a number, though. Seven. God, Nick. Dude, is it? That yeah, that's what notes? I have. Over seven. You should have shared your notes with me. I did not. Don't even <laughs> tell people that. But anyway, uh, last year, the five that I mentioned from the entire defensive line actually was only Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols. No others got in on the mix. So for me, seven makes sense, right? Yeah, the Goldman can get one. Robertson Harris can snag another. Simple enough. But of course, the numbers can fluctuate. But yeah, I have seven as well because that's a safe two addition, moderate yeah. estimate. Uh, and I think that's why you went that way as well. But last over and under of the show. 23% of the defensive snaps for John Bullard. He had 28% last year. I have the over-under set at 23%. Ooh, 23%. He's going to be at 22%, so it's under for John Bullard. It's, look, I don't have anything against John Bullard. I really don't. It's just he just hasn't shown much up to this point in his career to where we can say he's just he's going to play more he's going to play less he's going to be effective so i'm going to go under at that 22 or it's one percent less but i'm going to go under i'm going under as well and i actually put in my notes uh 20 if he's lucky again we don't even know if he's gonna make the team at this rate i mean i'm sure he probably will because again he's cheap they know what they have in him he knows the system he's fine against the run and again, if uh, I'm not going to get into it yet again. So for me, uh, 20% would be fine, but obviously we're hoping for a bigger piece of the pie going towards Bilal Nichols, a bigger piece of the pie probably for Roy Robertson-Harris as well. So for me, 20% is fine. 
All right. I want to know. Do you have a bold prediction for the defensive line? Oh, well, you're going I to didn't, you're going to, but I'm going to have a bold prediction and I'm looking at the sacks. You wouldn't happen to have how many sacks they had on the season. Do you, you know, I didn't count that up as an entire unit, but I'm sure I can think about this real quick. Seven and a half. That's 10 and a half. I got 14 and a half, 13 and a half. Oh, 18 and a half. I forgot about Eddie Goldman. I think 18. no. Yeah. Something like that. All right. A bold prediction. This unit is going to find a way and get, 25 sacks just between whoever well most likely the five being the ones that played last last year they're gonna get 25 sacks on the season force five fumbles or recover right. four of those so not seven very specific you're going no. off you're going back off of your seven <laughs> okay never mind we're definitely going to seven recovering four of those <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping you consistent over there nick <laughs> thank you thank you because i completely forgot i said seven and we both agreed on that <laughs> we did we did uh so my bold prediction is going to help yours out i have uh roy robertson harris notching eight sacks this season which more than doubles what he had last year i think he had three so for me Eight sacks this year for Roy Robertson-Harris, which is the same number I have for Bilal Nichols, so that's 16 right there, so you're doing pretty good. I'll take it. And then you add in Akeem Hicks. Oh, man. Yeah. Can I make that to 30 now, according to what you're predicting here? Nah. You're, you're, nah, you're we'll stuck. Keep, we'll you're stuck. there. All right. Uh, a couple more things here before we wrap up the show. Number one, I want to know, defensive line, who's going to be your X factor? I feel like the obvious one is going to be Bilal Nichols, right? Because if he takes a big step forward, he's going to boost the play the entire unit. But if he takes a sophomore slump, which I'm not really anticipating here, the depth of the defensive line is going to suffer, and then the overall play will as well because then you're going to need a bigger play share out of Akeem Hicks, uh, Eddie Goldman, everyone along those lines. So I'm going to take the obvious one and just kind of cut you in line and take below Nichols. Do you have another X factor, or is it going to be Nichols for you? Um, I mean, I think it just makes the most sense for Nichols being that guy because we know what to expect from Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, um, but if – Bilal Nichols can really step up like we're envisioning um, and just being a just a focal point in this defensive line rotation. That's going to make life hell for opposing mm-hmm. offensive line. Let's be completely honest, because if you already have so many guys to think about and worry about and then just add in a second year player, Bilal Nichols, which, you know, went under the radar being a fifth round pick out of Delaware. He's going to just turn some heads and just, again, have offensive game planners just thinking all right now we just got to put a double team towards Bilal Nichols now or maybe put the running back on this side because look he's wreaking havoc in the backfield but I think he makes the most sense to be the X factor for the 2019 season for defensive line players all right and last and not least Nick I need to know your confidence level of the entire unit I th- man, I don't know what was my highest for all the position groups but this might be a 9.7 9.8 I almost want to give it a 10. I am very confident in what this defensive line is going to bring in 2019 because you have a little bit of everything in terms of what Eddie Goldman's going to be that two gap player, allow the linebackers to get, to get free. You have Akeem Hicks who could do everything so well. Bilal Nichols is just an ascending player. Roy Robertson Harris is taking steps forward. And then you have Jonathan Buller as well. Again, maybe just a depth piece at this point in his career, but these guys, they all have their strengths and they just fit and they play with continuity along this defensive line. They're only going to get better too. Now that they're all together for another season, I'm really confident in this group. I'll set it at a 9.8. I don't know who I'm going to, I don't know. Maybe this would have been the podcast to give the 10 out, but 9.8. 9.8. I'm very confident in this group. They're going to be able to handle the job in 2019 and just make life easier for the overall defense. Yeah, that's, what did, that's exactly what they did last year. And that's exactly what I'm envisioning happening yet again. Uh, that's why I gave them a 9.5. I, I, I agree, though. This may be the episode out of all the positions to, you know, to whip out the 10. I mean, I, we joked with Trubisky, like, hey, his number is 10. Let's give him 10. But that's <laughs> obviously not realistic. But no, for the defensive line, 9.5. They rarely let us down a year ago. Overall, strong unit. Not only were they setting up everyone else for success, but when it came down to it and they're at the goal line situation or in a you know, short yard situation, they did their job. They made sure that you know the, the hold their ground. Uh, they just set the tone all year long. I don't expect things to change. I expect them to potentially even improve uh, throughout the unit. So, And I think the reason why I'm even down the point five is because we still have John Bullard out there and we don't know what he is. So, Again, he may be the fifth guy, so the, the weight factor shouldn't be too big of an issue on the actual overall confidence. But 9.5 is still very, very strong. I have one more. It just kind of hit me, and I think we should have done this for all the positional units, but it's a fun one. 
out of everybody that we discussed today, if you had to buy one jersey, who would it be and why? Oh, man, I, I love what Akeem Hicks is all about. I really, really do. Uh, a guy that, like I said, wasn't given anything up front, had to really work for what he has gotten so far in his career. He plays with a you know a passion that just it burns so deep within him. Uh, he loves football, and he brings it every single week. And that's something that you could really get behind and someone that you could support. And if I had to get you know a guy that any of these guys' jerseys, it would definitely be Akeem Hicks. He's he's definitely a player that you can really just support. I like it. I like it. I think I would go Eddie Goldman. I don't see many Eddie Goldman jerseys out there. And he's, you know, he's a hard worker, doesn't get the appreciation. So I'd give him a go ahead and get his jersey to show my appreciation. But anyone listening to the podcast knows my history with jerseys. I'm definitely not going to get his jersey just to show him my appreciation as well. But I think that's going to do it, Nick. Anything else on the DL that you want to kind of mention here before we wrap it up? It's a great group. It's going to be a fun group to watch in 2019, and we only expect you know great things to obviously come out of them uh, once the season begins. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, no matter where you are, how you consume our show. You know that you are appreciated by everyone here at the Chicago Audible. We're going to be back later in the week. Actually, we're going to do a little double duty this week uh, since we didn't have a show last week. We're going to go ahead and preview the Bears linebackers, both inside and out. What strides should we expect from Roquan Smith in year two? Can Khalil Mack have an even bigger impact than a year ago? Will Leonard Floyd capitalize on his contract year? Did the Bears have enough depth at the outside linebacker position? We're going to answer all those questions and more later in the week. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.